0: Okay, good morning everyone, Boker Tov. Wonderful to see you, sorry for the slight delay, some uh, technology challenges, but we are together now. And what a privilege is always to be able to study the Parsha together this week, parsha's Vayigash. And to tap into the Parsha perspectives for today, there are no coincidences, the Torah portion that we read each week, we were designed and specifically meant to read that week, the messages in the Parsha that week speak to our lives and who we are for that week. I want to thank our generous sponsors of the Parsha series for the year, Becky and Avi Katz, and family, in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman. Our learning should be lili dava menachem manash. This morning, Shear is also sponsored by Yanina and Gordon Haas, in memory of Yanina's mother, Ada Leichtman, Chaya Simcha. whose site is tomorrow. Neshama Shalav and Aliyah, and by Evelyn and Stanley Weiss, in memory of Marvin Ehrenberg, on his site, his Neshama Shahab and Aliyah as well. Thank you so much. Okay, Parshas Vayigash, page 250 in the R's scroll, Stone Chumash. Just a housekeeping note, no Parsha class next week. I have a conflict, so I'm unable to teach next week, but we will please God resume two weeks from now. But I have good news from you. There are lots of previous Parsha Shirim online from countless people around the world who I'm sure give much better Shirim than I do. But should you want to hear me, because you're having trouble sleeping at night, you can go on YUTorah or Rabbi Goldberg.org and find Shiram from previous years. Yehuda, courageously, Yehuda, heroically, Yehuda steps up, he steps out, he approaches Yosef, not knowing, of course, that it's his brother Yosef, and he confronts him, and he says, Can I please speak to you? Don't get upset. Don't get frustrated. Ki kamocha Who is like you? You are like paro. You're so in command. You're so in charge. Can I come speak to you? And then he begins to review the entire history until that point. There's so many questions to ask on this opening. We've taken a look at it many times before. But what is going on here? First of all, what does it mean Yehuda is approaching Yosef? If you turn back one page in the Chumash, there are Chumashim on the way in. You should always take one easier to follow inside. At the very end of last week's parsha, we have a whole week in between. You have to do Shalai Mikra V'echa so you shouldn't have a whole week, you should have less than a day in between. But in hearing the parsha being read in Shul, there's a whole week in between. So we forget where we left off last week before we pick up this week. But at the end of last week's Yehuda Yehuda's already talking to Yosef. So what does it mean, I love Yehuda? What does it mean that Yehuda approaches Yosef and asks if he can continue? Moreover, he repeats part of a conversation that never happened. He quotes Yosef having said things that he never said. Moreover, he asks a question, which is an absurd question, about, about a father being alive. Not alive, they've already discussed this. But mostly, most compellingly, the question is, why is Yehuda even recounting everything until this point? Yosef was there, he lived it, he lived it. Sometimes someone's telling you about something that just happened. Did you see that? This, that, and the other thing. And you say, yeah, I, I, I know. I was there. I, I'm, I'm, hi, I'm right next to you. I was there at the same time. You're so uh, moved by the extraordinary. Yeah, I'm there. Yosef's like, yeah, well, why are you ta- Yeah, I was there. I'm the other person you're quoting. Why are you bringing this up all now? So a few perspectives. First comes from Rav el Dushnitzer, who is the Mashkirch uh, of Lomza. Rabbi Leo Deshnitzer, says the following, Deshnitzer, says the following. He says, The whole point is to advocate, to lobby for the release of Binyamin. Binyamin has been falsely accused, he's unjustly being held, Yehuda took personal responsibility, he promised his father he was going to bring him home, so get right to the, get right to the story. Why is he starting from the beginning of first Hashem created the, the world in six days, What are you going all the way back to the beginning? You see a very important point here. He says, you see that sometimes even when you already know all these facts, it's worth reviewing them because it gives clarity. We're always moving in super speed. We're always at motion. Slow down. Slow down. Review how you got here. Review where you are, think about what's happening, create a sense of order. Judaism tremendously values the notion of Seder, the notion of order. So you're right, if he jumps right into the advocacy, if he jumps right into making the case for why Yamin should go free, Yosef's already caught up in the drama. But he says, you know what, let's slow down. Let's go back to the very beginning. Let's remind ourselves how we got here. Let's be Masader. Let's organize. Let's be on the same page. Let's make sure we're discussing the same facts. Let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. He says, what's a powerful lesson when it comes to Torah learning? You know, if you're learning the Yomi, boom, 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 chick, chak, chak, you're turning the pages, you're moving, you're flying, you end the Masechta, you don't even remember you were there to begin with. In learning, you're going through the sugya. you're hearing the shear. you're flying through, you don't stop and you don't pause and you don't organize and you don't picture and you don't have a clarity on the suya. And what's true in the world of Torah, the sugya, we don't have a holistic view of the topic, can also be true in our lives. Whatever we're analyzing Whatever we're confronting, whatever dilemma we're trying to make a decision about, stop and pause and review and organize and have a clarity on the sugya. Life is filled with sugyas. Life is filled with sugyas in our relationship. Life is filled with sugars with our children. Life is filled with sugars in our profession. Every day brings with it decisions that have to be made, dilemmas that have to be resolved. And if we're moving in super speed, and if we're not organized in our thought, and if we haven't put it into a bigger picture, and we don't see a greater context, then we're going to make the wrong decisions. We're going to rush to judgment. Our vision is going to be clouded. So Yehuda is teaching us this lesson. It comes from a safer Nachlis Eliyahu, but it's quoted this beautiful Sefer that I've been sharing with you this year in the year, That if we, if we rush and we lack clarity and we fail to have a context, we'll come to the wrong conclusion. But if we pause and we review and we put everything in place and we see the sugyah, the whole picture and holistically, then we can come to the proper conclusion. And that's what is doing for Yosef. He's setting the stage. He's making the argument. You ever see a lawyer make their, make their closing argument? They're repeating so much of what they already said. But before the jury is gonna reach the decision, there could have been deliberations for hours, for days, for weeks, for months. So you know the evidence that you saw a few weeks or months ago? You know the argument? You know the witness's testimony for weeks or months ago? Let me make my closing argument by organizing it for you. Let me capture it, let me start at the beginning, let me paint the picture, let me put it together. And a good lawyer is so persuasive and so compelling and literally draws a picture for a jury that it's obvious to the jury what the answer is. The jury, the picture is painted so clearly that the good lawyer has led the jury to simply come to the conclusion they saw right before them. But if there was testimony or arguments that were weeks or months earlier, and the lawyer just ends, "Uh, Mr. Lawyer, you have a closing argument? Yeah, everything I said was right. Please come to the the decision accordingly. So the jury's like, what he said was right. Anyone remember what he said. I don't even remember what we had for breakfast. I'm supposed to remember the testimony from, from three months ago. So the closing argument is to, So Yehuda says, Yosef, may I approach the bench, Your Honor? I'd like to submit my closing argument. And my closing argument, we're going to have to take a step back. Let me paint a picture. Let me give a context. Let me remind you about all of the variables and moving pieces. And this is a very, very important lesson for life because... Are we not using our judgment each and every day? Do we not have to approach the bench of our lives, of our wives, I mean of our lives, and make decisions each and every day? When we want to lead people to the conclusion that we're hoping that they see as clearly as we do, we have to be misad there. We have to organize it, and we have to get them there the same way that we're there. Katskoreb says something else that's amazing. I love, this, I love all the Katskars. I'm very drawn to I feel very connected to the Kotzker. So in this other beautiful ve Amuna, the Torah teachings of the Helig Kotzker Rebbe. so the Kotzker says, "Vayigash, a love, Yehuda. Yehuda approached him. Who's him? A love. Pasar could have said, Vayigash Yehuda, Yehuda approached, Yehuda stepped forward. Yehuda came, who's a love? To whom did Yehuda advance this argument? So the simple understanding, not that I'm calling anybody simple, is Yosef. Yosef is the individual with whom he's in conversation. Yosef is the individual to whom he has to make this compelling argument. Yosef will be the judge and the jury here. Vaigash a love. he approaches him. Who is the him? Yosef. Kotzker says now, el Yehuda was approaching himself. Yehuda was approaching himself. What does the cutscene mean, Yehuda's approaching himself? So I think what the Kotzker means, what the Kotzker's getting at, is that if you're gonna make an argument to somebody, you better check that you believe it. Because the most authentic, the most genuine, the most real, the most true, you know, others can see through. And if you're gonna make an argument but you don't really believe it, you're only half bought in, if that much, then you're not gonna be successful. Vaigash Love Yehuda. Yehuda approached himself. Yehuda did a gut check on himself. Yehuda made sure he had the courage. Yehuda made sure he was ready to bear the response, the accountability, how Yosef would react, again, not knowing it's Yosef. Yehuda made sure he believed what he was saying. Yehuda made sure that he was going to say it genuinely and authentically and it would be received exactly the way that he said it. Rav Weinfeld, I've been quoting recently often, Rav Weinfeld, Zorov in Ramad Ashkol in Yerushalayim, at a yeshiva, and there was a kolol, a great and a fascinating individual. So, Rav Weinfeld uses this insight, he doesn't quote the Kotzker, he quotes Svasemis from the same Bess Medrash, and and he says the following, Parsha begins with Yehuda bringing the case to Yosef, but what was he saying that was new? He seems to be repeating the story, so we already gave Rav Eliyot answer, he was being misad there. He was organizing it. It was a closing argument. But one thing that Yehuda did add was that he made himself an arev. What's an arev? A guarantor. He signed on as a guarantor. <laughs> Yehuda calls Binyamin his father's benzekunim, meaning because his brother died, because Yosef died, Binyamin is now the father's benzekunim. Yosef once was his father's benzekunim who his father loved more than anyone else, spoiled. Originally when Yosef was the Ben Zikunim, it was Vayikan Ubo Achiv. His brothers were jealous. They hated him. But now Yosef sees, isn't it interesting, the very reason, the very driver of what made the brothers jealous of him, Yehuda is now quoting as the very cause for their affection and their protection of Binyamin. Yosef hears, I was the Ben Zikunim. I was the favorite child. I was the one my father had in his old age. I was, the, I was the favorite child. And because I was the favorite child, you threw me in a pit, you wanted to kill me, you sold me into slavery, you got rid of me. And now I should let Benyamin go because he's the Ben Zikunim. All of a sudden you've discovered affection and love. All of a sudden now you care about your father's relationship with the Ben Zikunim. That's not a source of jealousy and animosity and enmity. Now that's a source of responsibility and protection. When Yehuda added this point in the beginning of Vayigash, Yosef saw that they were doing tshuva gemurah. In other words, the whole situation that Yosef had orchestrated was a platform for the brothers to have an opportunity to do not only tshuva, to not only be remorseful and feel bad about what they had done to him, but to do tshuva gemurah. The Rambam says, what's tshuva gemurah? Being back in the exact same circumstance, but doing the right thing instead of the wrong thing. So Yosef orchestrated things as closely as possible. There was only one brother with whom he shared a mother. He made things as close as possible. And the brothers step up, Yehuda in particular. And now, instead of hating the Ben Zikunim, they have affection and love for the Ben Zikunim. But it seems that for the most part, Yehuda is just repeating everything that happened in Miketz. Although he adds a few things, but he doesn't add things that had happened, he had things that didn't happen. For example, Yehuda says in the beginning of Parshas Vayigash, he says that Yosef had asked them, Hayesh lachem av oach. He says to this viceroy of Egypt, Remember as I'm reviewing all of our history together, remember when you asked us, do we have a father or a brother? There's only one problem. Go back to Parshas Miketz. Did Yosef ask that? He didn't ask that. He never asked that question. Yehuda also adds, Or he And lo yuchal anar aviv, they were not said in the case. He never said that our father told us, if you bring, and you don't bring it back, I'm surely gonna die. Yehuda's repeating conversations that never happened. That never happened. So what's going on? Where's Yehuda coming up with this from? What does it mean Vaigash, I love Yehuda? What does it mean Yehuda's approaching Yosef? Again, turn back one page, one Pasuk. They're in the middle of a conversation. You are in the middle of talking to somebody and say, can I talk to you? I are yeah, yeah, we're in the middle of talking. Just talk. Talk. You don't have to make an appointment. We're actually in the middle of a conversation right now. So what's going on with all of this? So that's what Rav Weinfeld Shlita explains based on this insight of the Kutzker, and also of the Sfasemes. That when Veigash love Yehuda, it should have said, Veigash Yehuda love. Grammatically, it would have been more correct, more proper to say, Veigash Yehuda love. Yehuda approached him. vaigash love. Yehuda. The a love is he approached himself. And what does it mean he approached himself? It means that Yehuda was willing to be vulnerable. Yehuda wasn't telling Yosef things he said. Yehuda was saying, this is how I heard them. This is my perspective. This is where I'm coming from. This is who I am. This is how I've interpreted, this is how I've experienced the conversation. And now when Yosef says, Yehuda, you're willing to be vulnerable? You're willing to let me in? Vayigash. Yes, we were having a conversation. But it was superficial. It was external. It was up here. It was diplomatic. But now I'm willing to be vulnerable. I want to let you in. I want you to hear where I'm coming from. I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to see things from my perspective. Now when Yosef sees that, he can't help but reciprocate. You've let me in. I'll let you in. You shared who you really are. I'm going to share who I really am. I'm going to let you in as well. Yehuda vayigash a love. Yehuda does this gut check with himself. Yehuda musters the courage. Yehuda ensures his authenticity. But I want to say one more thing to add on to Rav Weinfeld, and he answers all those questions with that. The reason vayigash is because he was taking the conversation to another level. He was saying to someone with whom he was in the middle of a conversation. Can I, can I be really honest with you? Can I trust you? Can I confide in you? Can I let you in? Is this a safe space to be vulnerable? Vaigash, that's what Vayigash means. And a love, he was willing to be true to himself and to share the depths of who he was. But I want to apply this a little bit further. Every year I share with you, this is one of those Goldberg repeats every year Divrei Torah, and I'm not going to apologize for it because it's so fantastic, it's worth repeating. The Ramah quotes in Shulchan Aruch, he quotes from the Rokeach, that the reason we take three steps forward to begin our Amida is because the word Vayigash appears three times in the Torah. Avram approaches God about Stom, Yehuda approaches God here about Binyamin, and Eliyahu and Abi approaches God as well about the Jewish people, about uh, Nevi'e Baal. And we've talked about in the past, I won't repeat this part, what the three represent that when we come forward to Davin to Hashem, we're Davin even for the Rishoim, like Avram Davin for the people of Stom. We're davening for our brothers, like Yehuda davens here for Binyamin. And we're davening against evil. We're davening for Hashem. Davening for Hashem's own name, that it should be protected, and it should be made great. We take three steps forward, Vayigash, wherever we were a moment ago, we take those three steps forward, and now we are transported. We are in front of Hashem. You could be on the side of the New York State Thruway. You could be, if you have to daven on the edge of the golf course, obviously, most preferably, you're in shul. But wherever physically your coordinates showed that you were a moment ago, when you take those three steps forward, you are teleported, you're transported, you are beamed up, you are now standing before the Rebona Shalom, ready to talk, and those three steps forward, we're emulating these three great people to use our power of speech, to step up, step forward, step out, and to use it to lobby, to advocate, to make a difference. But I want to add, what I want to be most of this year, is if you apply this inside of the Kotzkerh, Gosh, I love Yehuda. It means that when we take those three steps forward to Davin, before we can talk to God, who do we have to talk to? Ourselves. Take a deep breath. Take a pause. Rabbi Adam Englund, who was the head of school at Catsville Day School. He led the middle school Davin It was arguably the holiest davening in our community. It was so beautiful. He got the kids. I think they're still doing it. They take three steps forward. They take a deep breath before you Hashem's Fasai Tivtach. Every day in the Shemun Hash he would remind them. Three steps forward, take a deep breath. A deep breath before you could talk to Hashem, you have to talk to yourself. Are we really present? Are we centered? Are we there? Are we mindful? Bashemta famously said, we are wherever our thoughts are. So if your mind during shachras is already at gym, at carpool, your mind's already at work, your mind's already at the to-do list, your mind's already packing for the flight, your mind's already the difficult conversation you have to have later, all of a sudden you get to the end of Shemun Esri, you don't remember, did I say Ya'alav Yevo, did I say Alanisim, did I say the V'sintalumat Delavracha, I don't remember. I don't remember anything I said. I don't remember how I got here. I don't remember turning one page. I don't remember saying one word. That's not a conversation. So we take that breath by Yagasha Elav Yehuda, I think this insight of the Kotzker is that we begin with a conversation with ourselves. When I take those three steps forward, I'll let you in for a moment. When I take those three steps forward every day, I try to take one moment to think about what do I have happening today that I need to talk to him about? I talk to myself. What's on tap today? What's on my schedule today? What responsibilities do I have today? Am I giving a difficult cheer? I ask Hashem for help to prepare it, that it flow, that the technology all work out. Am I having a difficult conversation? Do I have to take a difficult journey? Do I have to make a difficult decision? Every day, of course, there are things and people in our lives. Rav was here two Shabbos ago, and we asked him about davening. He said, it takes me a long time to daven. If you stand next to Rav Schechter when he davens, or if you heard him that bench, lead the benching at Shal Shittis, he says every word like he should, he's in the beginner Hebrew class. He you knows Shas and It's unbelievable what he knows. I'll never know what he forgot. And he reads davening like he's a third grader. I had Rav on one side and my nine, now nine-year-old son on the other side. And my nine-year-old son was reading faster than him. How could it be? He doesn't know Hebrew. He's gotta take Rabbi Bertie's crash course. He davened slowly and he shared with us why. He said, I have a lot of children. He has nine children, Kenai Nahara, and a lot of grandchildren. And a lot of Talmidim, and a lot of people who say, can you daven for me? Now most people who say, yeah, no problem. And then we pretend we wrote down the name, or we're going to think about the name, or we act as if we can memorize the name. We don't even know our own name, but we're going to pretend we know everybody else's name. Oh, tell me your name so I can daven. You need to write down, no, 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 I'll remember it. We don't remember our own name, but we're going to remember the names that people give us. But if Schefter, when you give him a name, he, he means it. He davens. It takes him a long time to daven. So, Ve'y Gashay Love, to take a moment, and to first say to ourselves, who am I? What do I have going on today? Am I really here? Am I grounded? Am I centered? This is the Kotzker. Not Vayigash Yehuda love. It's not Yosef. Vayigash love Yehuda. First we have to approach ourselves, be prepared, be mindful, be ready, and then we're ready to approach the Rebban Shalom. Then we're ready to go in. Then we're ready to go in. Okay. Moving right along. Perak Memhei, Pasuk Gimel. So you. Yehuda makes this compelling argument, and Yosef is moved. He's moved. Beginning of parak mem page two fifty two. Yosef couldn't restrain himself. All stood before him, so he called out, "Clear the room! Give me the room!" So no one remained with him when he made himself known to his brothers. There he is, he's got his advisors, he's got the cabinet, he's got the secret service, he's got the Navy officers, he's got the Marines, they're all around him. And he gets so emotionally overwhelmed, he says, give me the room, clear the room. Now it's just him and his brothers. That's all that's left. he starts to cry. He cried so loudly, and his emotion resonated so broadly, it didn't matter he cleared the room because he couldn't clear Mitzrayim. And it was heard everywhere. It was heard everywhere. And Yosef then said those iconic immortal words. The words that are supposed to make us shudder and shake and tremble. Yosef says, Ani Yosef. I'm Yosef. Ha'uravichai is my father still alive. and his brothers couldn't answer him. Falu they were so overwhelmed. They were so shocked. They were so startled. They couldn't move. They couldn't answer. They couldn't respond. They were so stunned. They were so utterly and totally stunned by this revelation. By this revelation, the Medrash tells us famously, "Wow!" In those two words, "Ani Yosef." Do you know what we're going to have to face? What we'll be accountable and responsible for when the world we'll picture will come together for us. Yosef, Katam was Yosef, the smallest of the tribes, and they couldn't withstand, they couldn't withstand his tochecha, his panav. They were stunned and shocked into silence. They had nothing to say. When God's going to play the movie reel of our lives and we're going to have to see what we did and pay the piper, psh, we're not going to be able to answer. The Medrash describes that the great rabbis would shake and tremble and shudder. They would cry when they'd read these words, Ani Yosef, such musr in those two words alone. B'Salevi famously says to musr, musr, where's the musr? Ani Yosef. Imagine the shiva you give the Musa and in the Beast Medrash I went to, Shiva's Rabbitsko Hanan, YU, Wednesday nights. When I was in YU, I never dreamt in a billion years that I would be invited to give the Musa shmuz. and during Corona. I haven't been invited in person, Zoom. I guess that was low risk. They got, they got me on Zoom. So the Musa shmuz is Wednesday nights. So imagine they asked somebody to get up and give the Musa shmuz. There's no fire, there's no brimstone, there's no, this is everything you're doing wrong and we need to repair. And if not, we're going to burn in Gehenna and the world's caving in and we're not who we could be. Imagine the whole Musr, you stand up and you say, Ani Yosef, Shkoyach, can I get the honorarium now? I didn't get an honorarium. Can I get the honorarium? Sh- Ani Yosef, you still have 20 minutes. No, nope, that's my Musashmus. Shmuz, Ani Yosef. Where's the Musa Shmuz and Ani Yosef? So basically, he says, you know where the Musashmus is? You know what a greater Musr is? You know what the greater masur is? I've been warned that I've been telling too many stories of my own personal life, so at the risk of violating that rule and doing it again. A member of my family, by marriage, once got pulled over, (laughs) once got pulled over by police and called me while the police was writing up the ticket. And I reacted and responded totally incorrectly. I said, why were you going fast? And I can't believe you got pulled over and the ticket's going to be points and it's going to cost money. And the insurance is going to go up and you got... And the individual said to me, Ephraim, in my rearview mirror, there's a police car with lights flashing. My heart is racing. Do you think I need you to tell me I shouldn't have been speeding? <laughs> Do you think right now I need the lecture of that I shouldn't have been going too fast? Do you think I'm not filled with shame and remorse and regret and embarrassment? Did I call you to get a muss schmooze about how to drive? It's 100% correct. 100% correct. Called me to say that's so annoying and I can't believe it. And I'm so sorry you go through this. It's no big deal. We'll figure it out. I blew it. I blew it big time. Thank God that individual chose to still be related to me by marriage. <laughs> despite, despite my mistake. That's Ani Yosef, says the Beis Alevi. That's Ani Yosef. The siren, the thing's flashing in the rearview mirror. I don't need you to give me the Musashimus. Yosef didn't have to sit there and say, and I can't believe you threw me in the pit, and I can't believe you sold me into Mitzrayim, and I can't believe for 22 years the anguish and the agamas nefesh that you caused me, what you did to our father, you took years off his life. All he had to say was, here's the, here's the sirens, Ani Yosef. Ani Yosef and your last 22 years that picture just became clear and no one needs to say anything more for you to shake and sit there and tremble and be filled with shame and remorse and regret and when the Rebona Shalom after 120 years he plays back you know rabbis for the last 2,000 years were given this mashal Hashem will play back your life okay so 500 years ago people said play back my life how? that's not possible what does that even mean? To have a record, to play it back a lot. Now, Google, Google could play back your life and YouTube could play back your life and Zuckerman could play back your life and this one could play... You don't have to wait till after 120 years. You're the social experiment. The whole world could play back your life right now while you're still alive. It's frightening. It's scary. It's shocking. It's shocking. He it says the of Levi. that's the Oli Yamadin, that is the Om Niyom be so salanter Rabbi Yisrael said a little bit differently. Every year, this is quoted by in Kelm, by his Talmidim, the author of Kelm. He would, And he would say the following. I'm not going to read to you the whole thing inside because there's a lot more I want to share. So I'll tell it to you outside. What he basically told them is, when you know you did the wrong thing your whole life and then you get caught. So there are people who visited the wrong places there are people who visited the wrong websites. There are people who engaged in the wrong behavior. They knew it was wrong while they did it. And they were overwhelmed and overcome by the Sahara, And they thought they were above the law and they'd get away with it. And then it got revealed. And then they were exposed and it's humiliating. But what happens when you think that you were right your whole life? When you don't think you did anything wrong, you thought what you did was right, it was correct, it was moral, it was ethical. You stood for what you think was right. And now 22 years later, you see in retrospect that you thought you were engaged in a machlokas l'shem shamayim. You thought that you were fighting a noble fight. You thought that you were representing the Almighty, that He needed you to speak for Him. You thought you were fighting the real fight. So the machlokas, the person you weren't speaking to, the fight that you had, the the breakup in business, and the family, in shul, the breakaway shul, the breakaway minion, the breakaway, the thing that you thought was so correct and so noble and so shame shame and so beautiful and for 22 years you ran with it. Confident you were correct. And now the Rebun in two words shows you that you were wrong all along. That's the Yom Din, the Yom HaTochacha. The Yom HaDin and Yom HaTochacha said to Salanter, for the things that we know we were wrong, but we thought we could get away with. That's tohacha. But we knew we were wrong. The biggest tohacha, the most disturbing tohacha, the earth-shattering tohacha is for that which we thought we were right about. We held these opinions. We held these opinions about other Jews, this community or that community, the ones who wear those yarmulke or that yarmulke, the ones who wear no yarmulke. We thought we were correct around our Shabbos and Yontif table in our conversation with our friends in whom we wrote stucco checks to. We thought we were correct. We had an opinion, such a strong opinion. And it turns out when all said and done at the very end, we realize we were wrong. In the two words, Ani Yosef. Psh, that's the Yom HaDin, that's the Yom HaTorachah, says Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. But I want to share with you another insight on these two words. It's a beautiful insight for the Sefer, Megad Yosef al-Torah, by Rabbi Yosef Yehuda Leib Sorotskin. I told you he was visiting our community recently. His son moved to our community. My good friend Eli Mary Szerotskin, Eli Szerotskin, my neighbor. So he's a Rosh Hashiva in Telstone, not Eli Szerotskin. He lives on Haliak, but his father, and he gave me his farm. Beautiful, Yosef Yudalib Szerotskin. I told you my rule, and my best friend Mendy in the back, who costs me so much money. I have to build bookcases. Bar Hashem, every time he visits, he brings me farm. So you get me farm, I'm going to share them. They're not just for me. They're an investment for me to share with others. So he gave me the safer, So I want to thank him for that. So he says the following. We've been talking until now that the musr is in those two words. The Medrash, Abakoin Bardullah said, Ani Yosef. In that moment that the clarity that it all came together, in that moment, the picture, you saw the whole thing, Ani Yosef. In that moment was the Musr. How does it connect to the end of the Pasuk? Ha'uravichai, Yosef then ends, asks, what is a very peculiar question? Is my father still alive? Sha'am Yosef ben Hashima Achas. Yosef said in one breath. We have to understand it. First of all, why doesn't Yosef say, I'm Yosef, how are you, what's going on, brothers? Let me tell you about my life, your life. By the way, how's the Abba, how's Tati, how's Dad? But moreover, he should have said, How's our father? What do you mean, how's my father? And what do you mean, is our father, my father still alive? A moment ago, Yehuda's argument was, our father said, if you don't bring back Benyamin, he's going to drop dead of a heart attack. He's going to surely die. So you know the answer to your question. A moment ago, Yehuda just said, your father's alive. So your very first question is, Yosef, I'm Yosef, is my father still alive? What's going on? What's going on? So he says a very interesting answer. A person who's living in a moral and an ethical and a positive environment will be able to immediately measure if they've stepped out. When you realize everybody around you is so righteous, I look around and I say, I finished davening in three seconds, Everybody else is still in the Shmona Esrei. Hmm. I wonder if I can concentrate more on my davening. I already tell you about the about the uh, heroes of the Jewish people who scream Yalla when you're up to Hashem's Tiftach. The heroes of the Jewish people. Anisim. I want to make sure you, you you haven't finished your third step forward yet. They're up to Anisim, making sure everybody remembers it's Alanisim. So if you daven in a minion, you look around and you say, "How come I'm finished and there's nobody else here done?" That's a message, it's a flag. Maybe I need to concentrate more on my davening. How come I'm always gossiping and everybody's shutting me down and nobody else gossips? Maybe I need to work on my, my Shemir Everybody else is giving, giving staka. I don't measure up. When you're in a positive, a good environment, the environment itself becomes your metric, your measure, to evaluate how you're doing. But if you're not in a good environment, if you're among negative influences... Then you'll never know how you're doing. Adubba, you'll mistakenly think you're doing fantastically well. You have no one against whom to measure yourself. You have no role model. There's no archetype. As much as Yosef says, I learned from my father, my father in love and garti tarik mitzvah shamarti. so Yosef in paro Garti tarik mitzvah shamarti. as much as Yosef is confident that he's been uncompromising in his commitment to Torah and mitzvahs, how could he really know? Maybe he's lost a step. Maybe he's watered down. Maybe he's not the passionate on fire person he once was. After all, he's living in Mitzrayim. He's in the capital of Tumah. He is in the capital of corruption, of moral decay. So says Rav Serotzkin. Ani Yosef, He wasn't asking them, "I'm Yosef. Is my father still alive?" He was asking, "Wow, you're my brothers. Finally, I'm back in the base medrash. Finally, I'm back around to er lachayiden. Haod avicha, Ani Yosef." It's me, Yosef. Am I still who I once was? Have I lost my way? Have I lost my passion? Ha'ud vichai, is my father still in me? Ani Yosef I look very different now. I'm dressed like an Egyptian. He's not walking like an Egyptian, but he's dressed like an Egyptian. He says, I'm the viceroy of Egypt. I have the gorem of Egypt. Ha'ud Avichai, I'm asking you as a favor to me, tell me, do you still see the Yosef underneath this royal clothing? Ha'ud Avichai Bikir B. I was Abba's Talmud Muvahak. I was the Ben Zekunim. I was the heir to be the Rosh Hashiva. Ha'ud Avichai Bikir B. Do you still see him in me? that's why Yosef was able to withstand the pressure that's why Yosef was able to remain who he was because as long as he was in this negative environment he remained nervous and anxious and concerned about its influence on him the moment that you think I got it I'm good I can't be influenced I won't be brought down it won't impact me that's when you're in trouble. But the, as long as you continue to say, I'm at risk, I'm in danger, I need to double down on being the best me, that's Yosef's greatness. That's his Godness. First of all, is this a Mary Dekka Pshat? Rabbi Saratskin visited Boka to give me his farm just so that we can have this Pshat. Ani am Yosef. I've, I've seen a thousand different Torah on those words. Ani Yosef, Why my father, not our father? Why is he asking a question when he knew the answer? Why is Ani Yosef? It's a whole new interpretation. It's amazing. Torah is endless. Every time you study it, every time you learn it, you'll find new things in it. You could hear the same parsha for 120 years in a row, but you'll never hear the same parsha twice. It's amazing. Torah is amazing. Amazing. Ani Yosef. He says, I'm Yosef. And in the same breath, vichai, finally, you're my mirror. Finally, I have a mirror to look in, to measure myself against. I've started to look like an Egyptian and talk like an Egyptian. And I still keep Torah and mitzvot. We spoke last Shabbos about being assimilated Orthodox Jews. Hanukkah, the menorah in our home is trying to protect and preserve us from becoming assimilated, observant Torah Jews. The danger, the risk of being kofor be'ikar, confusing the ikar and the tafel. Yosef says, I'm still observant. I do the daf every day, go to minyan, I make brachas before and after I eat. I'm still observant. But ha'ud vi chai bikir bi. But have I become so assimilated that I'm not recognizable? My core, my character, my identity. Am I still my father? Ha'ud bikir bi. Psh, I love this pshat. I really love it. I think it's a fantastic pshat. I'll tell you one more, and then we'll move on. Another tzfa'as emas. Sfas emas. Yosef reveals himself, Let's keep going. I want to show you we're making progress. So go to the next Pasuk. They don't answer. Speechless. Stunned into silence. They have absolutely nothing to say. Nothing to say. What happens? So what does he do? He continues, He says, Come close. You can imagine when he said, Ani Yosef, I'm just picturing the scene. You know what the brothers did? They went like this. Right? If I'm the brothers, I start moving backwards. Yosef might as well say, i just been diagnosed with Corona. Like If I'm Yosef, if I'm the brothers, I start inching backwards. I start moving back. Yosef says, whoa, whoa, relax. Kshunek, come back. Brothers, come over here. Group hug. Group hug. We got this. Relax. I'm Yosef that you sold into Egypt. So Sfasema says, that's why they should relax. He doesn't say, I'm Yosef from the sandbox. I'm Yosef from the playground. I'm Yosef, we used to play ball. I'm Yosef, we're Chavrus, the base madrash. Relax, it's me, Yosef. Remember the family trips and vacations? Remember we had food fights and pillow fights? I'm Yosef. He says, Relax, I'm Yosef. Remember me? Remember this? Remember me when you threw me in the pit and you sold me? Come, group hug. That they should relax about? And what does he add? He said on the Yosef, that's what stunned them into silence. Now, because he repeats the words on the Yosef, now they're going to feel good? What's going on over here? So, Svazemis, my friend Revel Yadav Goldberg shared this through Smiches Kavar. Svazemis says the word asher can sometimes mean because. Because. Asher doesn't mean remember that. You threw me in the pit and sold me. Asher means because. We see this. The end of the Torah, Yashikach, Asher Shibarta. God gives Moshe Rabbeinu a big shkoyach. What's the shkoyach? you broke the luchos. Asher, Shibarta. Shkoyach, because you broke the luchos. I have a Rebbe who says, if a couple breaks their engagement, chalila even after marriage, because they're not meant to be, Shkoyach, Asher Shibarta. Sometimes you get a Yashikach when things are broken. If they're broken the right way, they can be put back together. People are more whole if they're broken the right way. So Hashem says, Asher, Shibarta says As this, Asher, sometimes means because. So therefore, if that's the case, what's Yosef telling them? Come here, come close. Group hug. You see me today, the father that I am, the Zeda that I am, the viceroy of Egypt I am, the spiritual giant I am. Do you know how I became this person? Do you know what caused me to emerge who I am? It's because you sold me. So I don't bear a grudge. I'm not angry. I don't bear a grudge. I'm not angry, and I'm not going to get even. I am who I am. Ani Yosef. I'm only who I am. Asher because you sold me into Egypt. Isn't that amazing? So this actually stims very nicely. It works very beautifully with what Rav Saratskin said. Ani Yosef. First I said, Ani Yosef, I'm looking at the mirror through you. Ha'ud Avichai, is is Abba still alive in me? And now that I see that he is, come close. Ani Yosef. I'm only who I am. I went through what I went through. I became who I became because of the hardship. Because of the hardship that you put me through. So it's not that I'm grateful you put it through it, but... It's the reality. It's the reality of that that is who I am. And this is, Rzey de Lepstein says, also on Pasuk Memhe, Pasuk Dalet. Come close. Come close. Says Rzey de Lepstein, whose grandson I met in the parking lot of Bokerton Synagogue. His parashashir creates incredible connections. I quoted him. He's quoted in the Sitcha Elyon. So I quoted him. And then I met his grandson, who said... Here are his farm. I heard you quoted my Zayda. He was visiting Lakewood, Brooklyn, where you have to be from to visit Boca these days. And he said, I heard you quoted my Zaydah. Here are his farm. You don't have him. Anyway, this is not directly from his Sefer. It's from the Sidcha El Yom. So he says the following. He says, From Rashi. What do you mean? Relax. I'm not going to hurt you. Come close. I'm the Yosef you sold. So he says, Yosef. He had a hakar to them. It's true that you had negative intent. It's true that you had negative intent, but it came out positive for me. So even when someone intends negatively for us, but a positive result comes out, we have to have a hakar Any Anytime we experience a positive, we should feel a sense of hakarasatov Yosef is the, the ultimate model of this. And that's what the psukim continue and say. He says... Because there was a famine and God sent you before me and now I'm bringing food back and he made me the Moshe El B'chol Eretz Mitzrayim and La'adon L'chol Mitzrayim. It's all for a reason. Hashem orchestrated the whole thing. You were just puppets. You were pawns. Hashem orchestrated it all. You feel shame and guilt? Okay, a little bit of that's good for you. You want to apologize? You should apologize and I forgive you. But know that my attitude is that you were just a pawn and a puppet. Hashem has a lot of agents he can use. And he used you to get me here. He used you to save the economy of Mitzrayim, which would spare the world. He used you. So I therefore don't carry a grudge against you. Says You see how far HaKares HaTov goes. That gratitude is not only for the person who meant well to us, gratitude is something, a debt of gratitude, is something that we even have to feel for the person who meant harm. But it worked out well, and there was a positive there was a positive result. Okay, Perek may positive test. moving along. Turn the page, 254. Quick, go and tell Dad this unbelievable news. I became a doctor. Just joking. Go and tell Dad I became a lawyer. No, just joking. Go and tell Dad that I'm the Adon Lachon Mitzrayim. Do you know who I became? The Adon Lachon Mitzrayim. So the simple understanding of the words Adon Lachon Mitzrayim mean go tell dad that I became the master of all of Egypt. He thinks I'm dead. He doesn't really think I'm dead because Yaakov was inconsolable the whole time. But he thinks I'm gone, I'm missing, I've been on the back of milk cartons in Canaan for 22 years. And go tell him that meanwhile, I'm Adon L'Chol Mitzrayim. I'm it. I'm the vice president. I made it. And I have a very high approval rating. I made it. They all love me. I'm Adon L'Chol Mitzrayim. Says the Kutzker. that's not what it means. Listen to this Kotzker. Oh, of Menachem Mendel of Kotzker. Komar bincha Yosef Samani lakim l'adon l'chom Mitzrayim. Perish, Yosef Omar, aniyasisi La yisbarach l'adon l'chom Mitzrayim. Sheikiru kom Mitzrayim shem shem yisbarach l'adon b'chol ha'olam. It's an unbelievable Kotzker. Yosef knows. You know what will make Dad proud of me after 22 years? Not that I made the Forbes 400. And not that I'm the Secretary of the Treasury. You know what's going to make him the most proud? That I've transformed Mitzrayim with Kiruf. Read the Pasuk again. Koamar bin ha-Yosef. Here's what I want you to tell Dad. This is what your son Yosef sent to you. That Samani, I made, Elokim Adon Lechol Mitzrayim. I made God the Adon of all of Egypt. That I used this position, and I wore a yarmulke, and I said, Baruch Hashem. And I wasn't ashamed, I wasn't embarrassed, I wasn't apologetic to be who I am and to bring God into the conversation everywhere I went. Dad, I know you'll be proud of me that I became the viceroy. I know you'll be proud of me that I broke out and I made it and I'm rich. I know you'll be proud of me that I've earned the respect of the whole nation. But I know you'll be the most proud of me when I tell you that, like you, I follow in your footsteps, my mission and my goal. Is to transform the world to see Hashem everywhere. It's a whole new way to read the pasuk. Usually, the Chassidish Divrei Torah. I got in trouble once for saying this before. Chassid is very unhappy at me for saying this, but I'm not even sure that the is meant that this is the pshat. This is an important lesson to teach. This pasuk is a great way to teach it. So I'm putting it in the pasuk. That's how I learn many of these Chassidish Divrei Torah. This kotzker, I think, might actually be the pshat. I love it so much. I think this cutsker might be the bshat. bin Yosef, go tell dad, this is the message of your son Yosef. That Samani that I placed Elohim God La don the That that's my success. And that's what I'm proud of, and that's what you should be proud of. That's who I am, and that's where I've been, and that's what I've been up to, and that's what I want you to know. Was it not worth driving from Boyton for that You <laughs> Should drive from New Jersey for that cutsker. Kutzker was unbelievable what a Kutzker so now what happens next he says go rush go tell Tati go tell dad go tell Abba go tell him I'm alive and well go tell him that we've got provisions and food go bring everyone down it's going to be Gishmak it's going to be Gvaldik we're making a Jewish village in Goshen it's not going to be around the, the capital you're not going to be in Vegas you're going to be in the outskirts you're going to have a little suburb you're not going to be on the strip itself we're going to have a, a holy place. We're going to make a little Jewish embassy. Go, go bring him down. So he tells them, what does he say? Turn the page 256. Perak Memhe, chapter 45, Pasuk of Dad. He sent off his brothers, and they went. And he says one last message. Don't become agitated on the way. What does it mean, don't become agitated on the way? What does it mean? Don't become agitated on the way. So Rashi tells us, it means don't get caught up in your Divrei Torah. You're going to get caught up in your Divrei Torah, it's going to slow you down, it's going to make you vulnerable. You'll be so engrossed in your talking Torah, you're going to get lost. Torah is an enormous value. Talmud Torah cannot get kulam, but there's a time and a place for everything. You're going to get so engrossed in your Torah, you're going to drive right off the road. You're going to make the wrong turn. Don't, and, and you're going to be slowed down. Get where you need to go. Go and go right away. That's a Rashi quotes. That is the pshat that's known by many. And there's a lot more to talk about there. But I want to tell you an amazing modzitzer. The Divrei Yisrael. Every week Rabbi Merzoff now shares with me a Divrei Yisrael to share with you. I, I'm just the one who has the microphone. But there's a whole committee who's given you the parsha class. All the people who contribute the Divrei Torah. And I'm very indebted and grateful to them. Says the Diver Yisrael and Machetzer. Listen to this. He tells them, don't become agitated. Don't become Rogas, Don't become angry. Don't become agitated. Don't become angry. You had to sit and coach. You didn't get upgraded to business. You were on the waiting list. They didn't get through it. Don't become agitated. The person sitting next to you needed the super seatbelt extended. Don't become agitated. They lost your kosher meal. They didn't bring you the kosher meal. Yet yeah, they made you still wear a mask, even though you had triple vaccinated, seven boosters. Don't become agitated. Don't become agitated. But that's not what the the Deva Yisrael says. Says in the Majid When you serve Hashem on your derech, when you serve Hashem in your way, in your way, al in your way, but then you see your friend is going on a different derech. Your friend's derech is different. You wear a bekashe and a shdraimol, but your friend decided to wear kippah surga, and to be a religious Zionist, to identify with the modern Orthodox segment of the community. You wear the hat with the pinch this way, your friend decided to wear a hat with the pinch that way, to not wear the hat. Send your kids to this school, they send the kids to that school. They chose a different derech. Alter gazu Don't get angry. Ki <laughs> har whatever derech you're on, don't get angry that someone's on a different derech. Psst. This is my Sharakola. I I put out a whole sefer about the sharakola All these divrei Torah that reinforce the notion that there's 70 ways to Shim Panam There were 12 tribes and they each had their own gate and entranceway into the base of Mikdash. So much, by the way, the Medrash tells us that when the, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but when the sea splits, it doesn't split in that the water is a wall on either side with one lane. There are 12 lanes. It's a 12 lane highway. It's wider than Palmetto Park Road. And there's no potholes. It's not like the Van Wick. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Grand Central. Reason enough to move down to Florida. It split 12 lanes, 12 lanes, because every shevet had the right to preserve its derach. We didn't blend them. We didn't integrate them. We didn't erase them. Each one was entitled to each derach, Each one is legitimate. Each one is, is authentic. And then there's the Shara where I happen to live, the 13th gate that says, I take the best from all 12. And I try to integrate them and live with them all. No one's obligated. You could stay in your lane. If you want to stay on your derach, I'll Everyone's entitled to embrace their derach. Your Lakewood, your Chabad, your Chavitz Chaim, your YU, your, your, your this version of Gary, your that side of Gary. Whatever your derach is, everyone's entitled to embrace their derach. But I'll tir You can't get angry at somebody who's on a different derech. Don't sit in judgment. Don't get angry. Don't try to make them conform. Why is Yosef giving them this message on their way back? This is unbelievable. Why is he giving this message? Because he's saying to them, how did we get here? We got here, Yehuda, because you and I had a different world view. I've shared with you in previous years, that Yehuda and Yosef were not simply, this wasn't petty sibling rivalry. Oh my goodness gracious, I just saw the time. This was not petty sibling rivalry. They weren't like arguing over, you know, who got the iPad? Who gets to sit in the front seat? What were they arguing about? They were arguing out over the future of the Jewish people, over the hashkafah of the Jewish people. Yehuda and Yosef were two enormous worldviews. We don't have time to review what it was now. You could listen online. It's an enormous machlokas in Hashkafa, in Derech HaChayim. It's a machlokas about who was correct about the way the Jewish people should approach the world. So Yosef says, Ani Yosef, I love you, brothers. You were just Hashem's pawns and puppets. I was meant to get here. I'm not angry at you. But do me a favor. You're about to turn around to go back for this journey back home, to tell Dad the good news. And you know what I suspect is going to happen? You're going to point fingers at each other. It was your fault. It was your fault. I said to do it this way. You should have done it that way. Why didn't it happen this way? But remember, the machlokas is how we got into this trouble to begin with. Remember when you pointed a finger and you felt jealousy and envy? Remember, anger is how it all started. When you walk away, when you turn around and start heading back, don't see the differences, the different d'arech you reach on. And don't be angry at each other for having a different terech. Embrace the differences. Respect the differences. Learn to be brothers with those differences. What a message in those three words. They already, if you look at the Pesach, They already left. And he says, wait. Three words, wait. Calls out to them we each read the Chumash and we have our own little picture in our mind. That's my picture. This is my movie version of it. They've already left. They're already walking away. He's running alongside the train. It depends what era you're you know, working it in over here. He's running after them on the back of the horse. He, whatever era. He has to grab his private jet to follow them on their jet. Whatever era you're, you know. But they've already turned around. They've left. They're already on the way. And he screams, wait! Don't judge each other. That's how the B'div Yisrael, the Majdetser, understands it. It's unbelievable. Don't use Yiddishkeit as a weapon. Don't use your derech to blunt others. Out your I just realized I never finished the Rav Sorotskin. I'm ending with this. I just realized. I got so excited to tell you how great a word it was. I never finished it. Rav Sorotskin's insight was that Yosef was saying, Is my father still alive in me? And this is exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu says. When Moshe says, I'm going back to Mitzrayim, Ashuva el Asherba I'm going back to my brothers who are in Egypt, and I will see how Odom Chaim, are they still alive? What do you mean, are they still alive? Hashem's bringing you in to get them out. He's not sending you in to take out a bunch of corpses. It's not a rescue mission to go recover the bodies. You know they're alive. So, what do you mean I'm going to check whether they're still alive? No, I'm going to check whether I'm still alive in them, whether Hashem's still alive in them. The same word about Yosef. Okay. What can we do? There was so much more. We're not on next week. We resume two weeks from now. Until next time. First of all, tomorrow morning, no 10 minutes of meeting. Baruch Hashem is a bris. But there is living with Amunah. You can't live without Amuna. You got to live with Amunah. Living with Amunah, 845 for women. Tomorrow in the social hall. Tomorrow night, you don't want to miss behind the bima. Richard Bernstein, a blind justice, Supreme Court Justice of Michigan. Blind. That's impressive, but that's not the most impressive part. He's run 25 full marathons and competed in an Ironman competition. He's been blind since birth. you got to hear him tomorrow night by the beam. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.